All right, everybody, welcome back to the Eric Anders Lang Show. We got a very special show today. Judge, have you listened to it yet? I have, and it is a wonderful conversation. It is, and uh, it kind of goes back to the roots of the Eric Anders Lang Show a little Ooh. bit. You know, like what? those staples of learning something you never even knew you wanted to know about about golf. You know. Good, good call. I, you know, it actually did feel that way. And what's funny is, well, first of all, we're going to have Christine Frazier on today, and that's thanks to Precision Pro Rangefinders. Very excited to have them as a partner. Yep, they're top quality without breaking the bank. And you got to get your hands on this new NX10. It's not that new anymore, but it feels new every time I uh, put a new sleeve on it. You know why it feels new? Sense. Why is that? Because uh, you know it's got that. You know, you know when you've got the pin locked in, mm-hmm. the vibration. Yeah, it's so clean. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like a Formula One car in your hand. It feels, it's a little bit of tactile response yeah. from a steering wheel or something, but it just buzzes once and then I go, okay, I'm about to stick this. It sounds like an air like an air gun drilling in a socket onto a Formula One wheel, center lock. Yeah, and if you know that experience, then you know exactly what Eric is talking about. Um, but you never lose your rate finder again because it has a cart magnet that's stronger than the gravitational pull of the sun. <laughs> and there are brand new RGC. To, you're wow. We're not adding that sound effect. He's doing that live. He, he does his own stunts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> anyway, they've got these sheaths which you can put your own designs on. Uh, we've got a till death one. We've got a couple other great ones, and they're available at precisionprogolf.com. And if you type in backslash Eric, or is it just slash, or is it? That's a is that a forward slash or a backslash? Uh, I will be honest with you, I never know. <laughs> just use the <laughs> just go precision pro golf. Eric.com slash was twenty percent off. Twenty dollars off your next range finder. Twenty bones. All right. Big guy. So without further ado, uh Christine Frazier, a great conversation. I will say I, I appreciate that. Um you know what I did this weekend, Jojo? Uh, yes, I do, but tell them. No, no, that's not what I I mean, I did go to the World <laughs> Series, but that's not what I was gonna talk about. I was going to say that um, <laughs> on Friday night, mm-hmm. I was I was texting with a friend and uh, they were like, uh, I can't remember what they said. They were like, yo, uh, I heard I heard you like, do you have a podcast? And and just because like I wanted to flex a little bit, mm-hmm. I sent him my favorite. I, I went on to the podcast and I sent him like my favorite episodes and I was like. Um, going through, so I sent him Samuel L. Jackson, Michelle Wee, Roger Clemens, Jake Arietta, um, you know Tony Finau, and uh, Cameron Smith, and mm-hmm. and and it was cool to like send all those links. And then he wrote back. Obviously, he was like, "Whoa!" He's like, "You do have a podcast." And I was like, "Man, I forgot." You know what I mean? And what's funny is, so then I scrolled all the way back to and one, I, and I listened to the first episode. Uh, oh my! This is this this really is gonna. Strain my memory. I, is it the second one? Eric has a case of the Mondays. What's the? Yeah, that's the uh, second one. The, the second first one, one is just welcome to the welcome show, to the and show, yeah. and it's so funny because I thought I did, I wasn't ready for how it it wasn't as different as I thought it was going to be. Oh, you were expecting to to hear a different person, yeah, on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, but I just heard myself. <laughs> it was wow. very strange. It was four years ago, maybe mm-hmm. even more now, four and a half. I mean, almost 300 episodes in the can since then. We're going to do something special for uh, the big 300 I, I put on the calendar. Oh, really? Yeah, we'll do something. What do we got planned? We'll, tattoo? We'll, we'll do something fun. We're going to, yeah, we're going to do, we're going to bring someone in, stick and poke. We're going to get the EL show tattoo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking we could watch the movie 300. I've never seen it, actually. Yeah, it, it it's longer than our runtime would normally allow. <laughs> we, we could do a lot. We could do a watch along. We had a g- great weekend. Eric did go to the World Series. Um, I got to see one of my favorite bands in concert. It's one of those things where you're just like, oh, life is good, you know? LG. Kind of classic fall crisp in the air. Yeah. Uh, I wore my my RGC interlock sweat Ooh, sweatshirt out to the concert, got one. some com- compliments. French Terry. Uh-huh, that's right. You, you have it in blue. I have it in blue, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good. Special colorway. Um, and one other sporting event happened this weekend that I did want to hit on. Have you heard of the guy in Philadelphia who has been eating a whole rotisserie chicken for 40 days in a row. Oh, uh, no, but that sounds kind of delicious. He, This is this guy, and he post, put flyers up around town that said, come to X location, it's the sixth day of me eating a rotisserie chicken. Oh, wow. And yesterday was day 40, and the entire city showed up. <laughs> you need to see these photos. I love it. And videos of him. It's just 
it's just hundreds of people and he's sitting at one of those white folding tables yeah and he's kind of he, he's he's you know he's kind of cut you know he's so a, is he a restaurant or he makes his own chicken and brings it and oh, eats it it's is it like a pop-up it's philadelphia I, i'm sure they kind of wash down the street gutters and directly towards him i mean it's, yeah this city is of, interesting you we'll we'll take a look at. I'm getting this. a comfortable seat. I just switched my posture because <laughs> I want to talk about Mr. The chick. What's his name? I have no idea. He's a guy who eats. He's one of those. He's an icon. Like he he, yeah. he in defies which, in which industry? The, the chicken the the food industry or it could be he could be like a plant for uh, Chick Fil A or something. But might be it would surprise me. I think he goes to the Boston Market and he picks up a rotisserie chicken. Yeah, and then he sits down in his little folding chair and takes his fork and knife. And people go wild. What they like cheer him on? Is yeah. it like a? Is it like can he eat the whole thing? I mean, no, he has to eat the whole thing. Oh, that's or part else. of it. It's forty straight days of him consuming an entire rotisserie chicken in one sitting. Do you know one the sitting. duration of this consumption? Is it? It's, I don't think it's a speed thing. It, oh, it's, it's more just, so performance art. So he's enjoyable. Oh, he's like the um. What's the what's the woman who you could sit across the table from? I did this. Oh, uh, I do know what you're saying. Yeah. She's a Latin uh, artist. Yeah. I'm blanking. But um, yeah, she used to, um, she would just go sit in the museum and you could just sit across from her and she would just basically stare at you. There was a, there's an exhibit in New York a couple of years ago. It was a scaffolding exhibit. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so you could go and just check out scaffolding. And one of my favorite comedians and, and television creators, John Wilson, did a piece about it. Okay. What did and John Wilson do? I don't know. He, he does this show called How To with John Wilson. Like, how to make small talk, how to oh. split the check, how to improve your memory. And they're hilarious. Nathan Fielder executive produces it. Sound, sounds very Nathan for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it and and the energy is there, but it's all street photography, like captured moments that he then tie, pieces together with VO. And the scaffolding one, he just sets up the camera and, and all the people go to this. They pay money to go look at scaffolding. And then he just watches them leave the place. And just not look at any of the scaffolding <laughs> surrounding the entire exhibit, right. which is just New York City. Right. That okay. Here's your two wrecks, but we'll get to Christine Frazier. Go eat an entire rotisserie chicken and, and watch out to a John Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know if I could eat a whole rotisserie chicken. Is it a, is it a is it a hen or is it a chicken? Oh, it's a chicken. It's a Philadelphia yeah. chicken. I mean, some chick. I mean, do, do you think he's going there and they hand him the chicken and he's like, "Nah, I don't have that in me today. Give me the different one. Give me the other one." You think they have a backup chicken? It's smaller. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he does it for real. I think he's the real deal. We're, we're going to go to the show and Eric and I are going to go look at some photos of. Awesome, yeah, um, and big thanks to Christine Fraser for uh, joining me on a, for a very special conversation about all things that you know we talk about on the show so get ready it's it's a great episode all right cool we're recording okay great how are you feeling i'm feeling really good yeah yeah um you uh i'll probably do like a nice intro before this okay but i always am curious to know how um you kind of answer the question of what do you do i i I have struggled with this question in the past and I've landed on just being really proud to say that I'm a golf course architect. And that's been a process to get there. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a golf course architect. When you say it's been a process to get there, what does that mean? I, I just never felt like golf course, being a golf course architect was the goal or the intention or the desired career path. I almost got too lucky in a sense of was able to do it and do it successfully, but I did never expected that. So I had low expectations. And so to actually say that I'm practicing golf course architecture and making a career out of it and, and paying the bills with it is an interesting concept to me because I just didn't have that solid belief in myself that I would get there. Well, and there's like a limited uh, cast of characters in that sort of X Men or X X Women X X Family X X People. Yeah, it's people. Yeah. There's only, I mean, how many? Like, how many architects are there right now? I don't know. There's not a lot. Not a lot. Maybe fifty, a hundred. Sure. Yeah, maybe five women. It's like astronauts. Yeah, there there aren't a lot, and um, that I I was always told when I would when I would tell people. I, you maybe was going to try to become a golf course architect, they would be like, do you know how many golf course architects there are in the world? Like, good luck. How are you going to do that? Who would say that? 
just um, you know, people in the golf industry, usually mm. usually men. Um, usually, <laughs> it's it's spicy, I know, and not in not in any kind of malicious way, but just in a general like I'm concerned that you might be let down or you might fail, or is there anything else? Do you have a backup plan? That kind of thing. What was the model for your dreams as a child in your family? In terms of like what my parents you can do it or. Yeah, yeah, super supportive. Like you can literally do anything to the point where I was, you know, probably my ego was too high at age 10. And my brother didn't really appreciate that, I'm sure. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, you have to be a bit unrealistic. Yes, you do. You do. To do something interesting. You're right. And you have to be like, I operate on a fear level of seven out of 10 on most days of, of being in an industry that... Um, is really uncertain and the jobs that I get are really uncertain. There's no consistency. There's no industry standard. So that's something that I, that I work through a lot too. Um, the fear is what? Of um, not being able to contribute in the way that I want to or having to take jobs that I don't want to take to pay the bills or um of of not being good at what I'm tr- at my job right. of presenting a first draft of a master plan and it being torn in half and told to get off the property yeah that would suck <laughs> i mean it's it's everything i do is so subjective yeah it's it's it really is like creative it's a creative endeavor and you're never going to please everyone and um as a woman, I struggle with that. Like I'm, I'm a people pleaser in a lot of ways, and that sometimes comes through in what I do in my work. And I don't, I don't want that, and I find it hard to like be okay with not ple- pleasing everyone. I, I have to tell you this thing. I, I heard this thing the other day, and I can't tell if I'm hearing it from you, but I see it in myself. It said there's three things. There's a lot of things that successful people have in common. They wake up early. They wake up late. I don't know. It's not that. It's, oh, they eat vegetarian. They eat meat. I don't know. Like they work out, whatever. There's no real consensus around those habits, but there's three psychological things that successful people tend to have in common. And when I heard it, I was kind of like, fuck. That resonates. It's good or bad. I don't know. But number one, superiority complex. Check. You think you're better than everybody else. (laughs) Not that you deserve more. Slightly, you deserve more. But maybe opportunity is yours. Second one was uh, deeply insecure. Right. <laughs> Check. Yeah. And the third one is, and strangely, this is interesting, and maybe it only comes when you find your purpose, but it's the ability to focus on one thing. Yeah. So when you add those three things together, you get you get like a, a, a really potential for like a high level of success. And, and I can't tell if I'm hearing that from you. Am I? I think so, yeah. 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 Fucking dope. <laughs> It's got to be, right? I mean, I'm a, I, I don't really think of myself as a people pleaser, but damn sure, like, I, I need it to be perfect or else. People, including myself, like, that's part of people pleasing is, yeah. is, is being successful in my own eyes and setting super high expectations for myself. Yeah. And trying to achieve really weird things that, you know, are not even important. So, so it must be, I, we're going to get into your competitive golf career. We're going to get into, you know, your travels and, and your current work that I'm really curious about, but I just like have another question here. Like, do you ever spend like way too much time? Cause, cause, cause you are, you talked about the experience of pitching. Yes. Right. You're pitching your idea. Yes. In order to get the job. And, and, um, I'm wondering, um, cause I'm observing it in myself where I, I spend way too much time writing an email. Like yeah. I'll spend two hours yeah. sometimes writing and I want the email to be, and I'll read it over and over and over. And then you know what I do when I send it? I read it again. I read it again. <laughs> I do that all the time. You do that? Okay, all good. All the time. And I've, I've just hit send on the first draft of a master plan in a, in a corresponding booklet that explains all the concepts behind the master plan. And I'll read it six times again <laughs> before they've even yeah. received the email. What is it's that? It's an Christine? obsession. I don't know. It's this it's this like idea of a pursuit of something that will never be perfect. Yeah. Um and that's like you, you can it's an art it, golf is the medium that I have chosen to 
to ask people to bring different perceptions and perspectives to their life the same way that an artist would do in an art gallery is you come in with your your own perceptions and the art speaks to you in a different way than it would the person standing next to you and that's really scary because you can do as best as you can but it's never going to be perfect and it's never going to elicit the exact reaction that you wanted and that's the unknown that gives me a lot of um trepidation in my day-to-day working life it's so interesting too because i never really thought about it but um as an architect um you have to sell the work before it's created which is totally fucked it's really tough how do you yes (laughs) and it's so um there's so much science involved and there's like a painting costs millions Sure. Of what? I don't know. Yeah. Or like you're going to need that money to make the painting. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so conceptual. And you're asking people to try to understand two two-dimensional drawings when you yourself have envisioned this in like 4D color full picture. Wow. It's 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 so there's like such a learning curve as well of educating people along the way of trying to help them visualize your ideas and ha- and have them buy into that stuff. So um, w- with this process of like, I guess the the getting of the job, the getting of the getting of the job in some ways is the work really, and then the rest of it you're just playing. Yes, that's that's when the fun starts. Is once you get the job, you can actually you know start to get creative and put the concepts on paper. And then, what's like the most surprising part of now calling yourself a golf course architect, owning it, being it, feeling it? Um, that I'm better at it than I thought I was going to be. That's sick. <laughs> That's sick. And and how do you know that? Uh, I think I... Water break. She's sipping it. Looks like room temperature, smart water. Not Room temperature always. Gotta be. No fridge water. Thank uh, you. I, why? It hurts my teeth. Same. I have weak teeth. <laughs> I do too. Is it that... Did okay, you, did okay, you quick, with... like... Um, um, side story please to do with sensitive teeth we'll come back my i have a really small mouth and really big teeth and so interesting i didn't notice that uh i've had to have like numerous teeth taken out so they all fit in there properly (laughs) and uh, and um the first method was to try to shave off all of the enamel on my teeth to get more space in my mouth. Whoa. So like I have really sensitive teeth because of that. They're super straight and they're really nice now, but you know, it's. So I have one tooth trying to jump out. Yeah. He's on his way out. Yeah. Has yeah. it always been like that? Yeah. Well, I had braces when I was a kid and I. Didn't um, wear your retainer. I mean, it's a longer story, but I had braces and I ripped them off with my own uh, pliers. Wow. In the in the shop downstairs in my house. Wow. I was just like, did you have a bad day or I was just done with them, you know? Yeah. I was, <laughs> I just didn't want them anymore. Okay. Yeah. It's fucked up. I mean, the orthodontist, I went in and he was like, what happened Where are to your, your braces? braces? <laughs> I was like, I pulled them off and he was like, you're crazy. What? And then he cleaned up my mouth and I was like, do you want to put more on? And he was like, no, I'll never. Like you're done. <laughs> I was like, cool. That's what I wanted. Actually. <laughs> I was a real bastard. Sounds like it. Um, yeah, so I had a bag. I was on a road trip two weeks ago, and I bought a bag of Sour Patch Kids mm-hmm. because our art director at Random Golf Club uh, loves Sour Patch Kids. I, I think he makes salads with them. Wow, Tony. I don't. Maybe maybe you do, Tony. I don't know. But um, so I bought them kind of in his name, and I bought a larger bag, and I yeah. ate them all. Yeah, which is a lot. It's quite a bit. Yeah. I didn't feel very good, um, but my teeth hurt because yes. of all the acid. Yeah. It burned my it burned through the enamel on my teeth. That's <laughs> what happened, yeah. Did you grow up with well water? Um, no, I didn't. See, because I think the uh, lack of enamel came from uh, my town having well water, which didn't have fluoride. Aha. Uh-huh. That's possible. This is my like Aaron Brockovich <laughs> Theor- <laughs> story. Theorizing. Yeah. Uh anyway, um back to the question about you're surprised. That you're good at it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you say you're good at it, there's so many different ways of defining good, right? Like, um, I guess it's like, who says you're good at it? Do you? I, yes. Yeah. And, and how do you know? I, I think just because it's been so fulfilling for me personally. 
and that's sort of my measure of success if it's it makes me makes me really happy and it challenges me and it it pushes me to think outside the box and be vulnerable in places and situations that I wouldn't normally and um I I find that the the responses that I have to some of the ideas that I propose also do the same thing to other people of of push them outside of their comfort zone and and just that sort of tiny tiny evolution of people because of golf and because of the ideas that I'm proposing in golf makes me successful and whether or not they follow through on that master plan is is sort of secondary right um Okay, so I have a thousand questions, but I'm just going to go with one, which I already had, which was, um, <clears throat> so you're, so I'm, I'm interested, uh, there's there's a lot of, um, very few golf course architects have a, a history of personally being actually good at golf. Is that is that fair to say? Is anyone going to be offended? Uh, no, I think that's quite accurate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, you know, they're just like, they just got into it and, you know, as, as an amateur. Right. Not that you were... You were you were not competing professionally. No, but, I wasn't. But still, you you your first love of the game was was competitive golf. Was like turning three shots into two. Exactly. So yeah. tell me a little bit about like how that. Um, I'll ask a specific question here. So, um, um, what was the highlight of that competitive golf life for you? Uh, being able that that was my initial exposure to different types of golf courses. Um, I played down in Florida and we, it was a two semester sport. So we were playing every weekend in a different city, a different place. And I experienced the mountains of Tennessee and the Bermuda grass of Florida and the sands of North Carolina and was just exposed to all of these different types of golf courses that I had never experienced before. And that was the sort of the trigger, the impetus of wanting to get to know more about golf design and different types of golf courses, um, and and eventually that led me on a on a adventure to Scotland, and then that was I mean that was the end of that. You were making me think of like a John Denver song, kind of like <laughs> John John Denver, but for golf. <laughs> um, that's cool. There's like um, there's so much to be learned when you're running around. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about this. Uh, first trip to Scotland. Was that for competitive golf? No, that was, I was writing my thesis and I was given some money to do data collection and I went over to Scotland and played golf and called it data collection. What was the, what was the thesis? My thesis was how to increase participation rates through design. And what year was this? 2014. Okay. It's somewhere in the dark closet of the internet <laughs> you can find it. oh great i'll read it on the <laughs> you should break. read it um, 75 pages wow double spaced no singles single space definitely i would always try to up the word count the page count with double spacing um <clears throat> so so um you know you go to scotland as a as a with a little bit of a with a bit of a red herring you're going, you, and, and, and what's the like aha moment? It, it sounds like there was one. It, I think it was a kind of a perfect combination of it. I went on my own. I was in my really formative mid 20 years driving on the other side of the road, um, trying to find just new experiences. And golf was a big part of that. And I stepped on to Royal Dornick was the first Lynx golf course that I was exposed to had ever seen in real life. And uh, it, it just like blew me away. And I, I, I wanted to try to figure out how to bring that back with me wherever I traveled that kind of that feeling of golf being bigger than golf. It's more than a game. It's a part of people's lives. And I wanted to like bottle that up and take it with me everywhere. And that was the pursuit from then on. What like, so, you know, oh man, Dornick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got a bit bamboozled at Dornick cause I, I, I walked up and there was a helicopter with eight dudes from LA that got out and they were like 
drunk and it kind of spoiled it for me. Yeah, but, that's too bad. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to have a new experience. Mm-hmm. I made a friend that plays there a lot that I really admire, kind of a mentor of mine, and, and he's always talking about it. So I'm excited to go there with him. That would be nice. And have like a, a Scottish day. Yeah, yeah. Um. You, so you go there and you you get it? Is that, is that what happened? What, what, no, I was, I didn't, at the mo- I don't think at it, at the time I understood what was happening to me. I was, I, I was homesick. I was a bit in a weird place. I got my first tattoo on that trip. And what was the tattoo? It's of a uh, Rennie Macintosh Rose. It's very Scottish. That? Who is he? Did well, you say? It's a person? Rennie Macintosh is a, is a very well-known um, Scottish ar- artist. You got a portrait of an artist? No, I got one of his roses oh, that I he see. that he drew. Okay. Tattooed on my arm in Edinburgh on that trip by Hell myself. Yeah. And it was just like I was just like I don't know, it just it really was one of those trips that that altered the course of my life because on that trip I also met Martin Hawtrey and, yeah. and who would become your mentor basically. Who would become my mentor? Yeah, my my the person who guided me through the next five years of discovering golf architecture across Europe. Um, quick follow-up question on the tattoo. What time of day did you get the tattoo? Uh, it was like 1 p.m. Oh, middle of the day. Yeah. Followed kind of by... Lunch break. Fo- lunch break time. Yeah, yeah. Followed by like pub. <laughs> by myself, you know. It oh, was solo. Totally, yeah. Oh, wow. totally. I don't know if I have a lot of... So- like go in alone. I don't know if I've done that. Yeah. Maybe I got to go do that. It Maybe. was. A, it's a really fulfilling ex- experience. Well, it was for me anyway. I'm gonna go do that. Uh, future plans for tattoos? Always. Yeah. What are yeah. you looking for now? What's the I, I'm next? at. I'm at like four months since I got my last one, so it's about due. Yeah. Wow. So you have a bunch. You have like a couple <laughs> I have a dozen. Bunch. I have a bunch. Sick. Maybe not a couple dozen. Maybe like fifteen. So you're. Uh, so you're also you. You're also a designer, graphic designer. Mm. So I just. I'm going to. Um, I'm going to paint a picture right now for the people listening who can't see you. Okay. Um, so we're going to start with white, um, laceless Doc Martens, the the sort of three quarter. Yeah. Black Chelsea jeans, boot. Chelsea boot. Black yeah. jeans. Oh, I see a tat on the on the inside of the ankle. Black jeans, and then a beautiful um, like pea green cardigan with white daisies. Yes. And a black fedora. <laughs> and you just have great style. Thanks, Eric. And that's why I had to do that is because I'm a big fan of like how we manifest our own personality with, yeah. with clothing. Yes. So I, it's cool. It is cool. And I wasn't until I got to the UK where I was like, wow, I'm not actually over the top anymore. I'm perfectly suited for this place. Yeah, you totally fit in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They take clothing much more seriously there, I think. Or I do. don't know what yeah, it is. They do. Yeah. So just to give you everyone listening a bit of perspective here, we're at we're still at the National Links Trust in in Washington D.C. here with um, all of these great minds in the in the game of golf. Um, you know, golf course owners, um, people talking about sustainability, uh, people talking about diversity, people talking about um, you know architecture, all sorts of different subjects, business talks about things like that, and really fascinating. And it's in its second year, and you weren't here last year. Christine. I wasn't. But um, we were upstairs and you said, I said, how is it going? And you said, I've never, what did you say? Do you remember? I You're referring to the crowd, the audience. Yeah, I had just never been in a room that looked that diverse where we were talking about golf. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, I mean, people of all different ages, all different colors, all different, uh, I don't know. like Abilities. What else? Yeah. yeah, there's probably, it's probably like way more women as well. Absolutely. Because typically you would go and it would be you and 89 dudes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All wearing um, loafers and corduroys. Yeah. All, yeah. It's the loafers, the corduroys, uh, the golf shirt, and the sport jacket. Alternatively, a turtleneck. Yeah. Or turtleneck's good. Yeah. Or a half sip, quarter zip. Do you ever, sure. do you ever yeah. get down with... Uh, what do you wear on the golf course, actually? Not too dissimilar from this. Really? I like to, yeah. That's fucking exciting. Yeah. I was kind of thinking like, um, you know, what, like if I had to wear a blazer, mm-hmm. like if, cause I would, I don't, I have blazer, I have jackets, but mostly it's like a suit. Yeah. So like if I had to wear like a casual blazer, I was like, I don't even know how I would do that. 
<laughs> like what you would pair it with. I, I was actually looking at you on the stage and I was like, fuck, I mean, she's got her shit dialed. Like, <laughs> how how would I do that? Yeah. But still be like, feel comfortable in what you're wearing. Still be me. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it would have to be like linen. Okay. You know what I mean? Something, maybe yeah. linen with like a Hawaiian underneath or like a black Hawaiian. I don't know. Okay. Maybe you can explore that. Yeah. Did, what's your favorite movie? Do you have a favorite movie? Uh, or like something up there for you? Perhaps um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I really like that one. Never heard of it. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's it's really wonderful. Is it a, a drama? It is a drama. Sounds kind of dramatic. It's it has art. It has it has um, culture. It's it's okay. It's I'm a gonna, time piece. I'm it, gonna write it down. I'm gonna write it down right. Okay, now. write it down. Because I um, should we just watch it right now and just do a live commentary? Uh, <laughs> Okay. I would watch it again in a second. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's me writing it down. Cool. Um, is like Liam Neeson in it? or No, I don't think you probably would know anyone in it. All non... It's quite French. Non. Oh, it's French. It's uh, subtitles. Yes. Is it new? Ish. Hmm. Maybe I did. Is it an indie? Yes. Kind of thing? Maybe I... Oh, wait. Is it... it came out in the last two years, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's like... Years. There's like scenes in the city of paris right me it's like about a relationship that's right yeah yeah i i did i actually clocked it okay and i was like that looks good and then i just didn't follow i it. really liked it okay i'm gonna check it out um what does it say about you uh that i'm very weird nice be weird <laughs> why don't you live in portland or austin <laughs> well that's a good question you live in um uh, Will, Windsor, Windsor, just Windsor, Ontario, in Canada. Yes, and um, but you're often gone. How what's your travel split? Yeah, it, maybe it's it's perhaps thirty percent on the road, seventy percent at home. Okay, and it's kind of growing in in the direction of traveling more and more. And I I I really try to manage that and not let it get out of hand because I value my relationship and i like spending time at home yeah 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 i feel you there um i mean tom how long is he i mean he's it's got to be it's got to be the other way around totally yeah. probably more yeah yeah it's interesting yeah what do you like you know actually let's go to a quick break we'll be right back 2000 2008 2022. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. But one thing is certain it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over 30,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. They give you the visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, and budgeting so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve your margins. It's everything you need all in one place. And right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind special financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash EAL show right now. That's netsuite.com slash EAL show right now. 93% uh, of their customers say they improved their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. So what are you waiting for? NetSuite.com slash EAL show. You like pants, Jojo? You know, I, uh, I've i known in my friend group as someone who's never wears shorts. Really? I used to be that guy. What happened? What changed? I moved to Austin. Uh, yeah, it just gets hot outside. Yeah. You need to wear shorts. Yeah, there's those times where uh, what you really want is a comfortable light pant. That's one of the things that I'm all about. As a former exclusive pant wearer, I still identify with you, Jojo, and anyone else who only wants to wear pants. And we have a solution for you. What's that? It's Bird Dogs. Uh, and they just launched sweatpants, actually. Uh, they're super comfortable, and they uh, they kind of massage your thighs. You know, like that uh, – you ever, you ever get that – what is that toilet paper that has the little bear on it? Oh, the Charmin. <laughs> uh, it's French, right? It's the Charmin. Charmant. <laughs> Charmant. That shit massages your thighs like mm -hmm. no one else. And Bird Dogs basically made a sweatpant that is the most that is more comfortable than wiping your own ass. <laughs> <laughs> the Bird Dog joggers are actually higher quality than Lululemon. 
asterisk, I don't know the math behind that. But ultimately, they're also $20 less. What are we talking about here? We do know the math on that. That is something we can tell you because it's one is larger than the other. <laughs> and bird dogs are cheaper. So go buy some. And Jojo, do you know something about bird dogs? I don't. I know nothing. They've got shorts. No, really? Yeah, and they've got built-in liners, so it doesn't matter mm. where you are. If you do decide that you want to show me your shins... Yeah, my ass will be massaged and warm. Do you wear pants when you play soccer? Uh, I, you, I, you know you know, it's weird? I'll either wear pants or I'll wear really short shorts. Interesting. Yeah, the problem I have is the knee-length shorts. I hate how I look with yeah. knee-length shorts. I mean, we shorts, all do. Though. You're an extremist. I get it. Well, well, Bird Dogs and Shorts are short. So go to birddogs.com and enter the promo code EAL show. And what they're going to do is they're going to throw in a free Bird Dogs rope hat. That's birddogs.com, promo code EAL show. And boom, a free rope hat with your pair of Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts, pants, and sweatpants with built in liners. You won't take these things off. I promise. So, um, when when you're after you met Martin, who would become your mentor, I guess is there is there a central kind of theme of something that was learned through that relationship by you? That's a great question. I I think Martin was such a huge advocate for me and really believed in my abilities and threw me in on a couple huge projects to sink or swim that I really learned that I can handle this and I can be a part of this world and hold my own in it. And I have valuable things to contribute to the conversation. And Martin was always a really great advocate for, for my voice. I love the word advocate. Yeah, I do too. I'm not an activist, but I love the word advocate. I think because a lot of times when you're young or new or unsure or unproven, you need one. You just, you you know I mean? It's, it, it saves, um, it creates opportunities. It does. Yeah. And if you're willing to work hard, I think, uh, it's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And as a young female golf course architecture in a world of, you know, pretty similar men, it, that was, was imperative that I had someone like that backing me up. I, I mean, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair with you today if I didn't have that that advocate. What are your conversations like? Do you do you is it phone calls? Do you schedule them? Do you just do text? Uh, we WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yeah, it's very European. Do you do voice memos? No, he, no, no voice memo. No, no, no voice memos. But we we do the video chats. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really nice. And so, do you like? Um, uh, how often do you connect? Once a week. Oh, and do you come with questions or ideas or thoughts? Or no, just catching up. It's just a catch up now. Yeah, yeah. Now you're flying. Totally. You don't. You don't need a. You don't need any. I'm pretty good now. Waypoints. I, I have sometimes. I have questions, um, but it, most of the time it's, how is your life? How are you? I miss you. When will you guys? Uh, when will you see each other again? Uh, I spent two months with him this past summer working over in Belgium. Okay. Um, not working for anyone listening from the Belgian government. Um, Definitely not taking Belgian taxpayer money. No, 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 no. Uh, so that was really special for me. And he's kind of, he's his his practice is slowing down a lot. So anytime I get an opportunity to do work with him is really important to me to try to make that happen. So yeah. hopefully sometime again next year. It's so funny how, you know, like <clears throat> you just never know where that, where that, um, what you need to learn isn't taught. You know what I mean? No, it's not. You have to figure it out. And it's kind of like that fucking annoying phrase, <laughs> like when the student is ready. Right. <laughs> but that's, it's, that's what it is. I'm having like an internal moment just kind of reflecting on a newer relationship that's opening up in my life with a person who's just terribly entertaining. Right. Has a ton of advice and really is like, uh, doesn't want anything from me. Is that new for you? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's just like uh, the transaction is um, emotional, right? Is mm-hmm. is 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 um is like uh, one of just something that's just just that humans have, right? You know what I mean? You don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no I trade. Do. Yes. Yeah. It's a really a giving, actually. That's yeah, yeah, like true partnership. Yeah. Um. So, what like um are you most proud of? Um. I don't know. I I'm not sure. I'm super proud of one thing or many things i'm really happy i'm enjoying my time and meeting new people and getting to travel and have a really stable life with my partner and my family i'm happy that's good yeah (laughs) that's that's a very valid answer i was thinking of trying to get into a project that you want to talk about okay um well I the most recent project that I have is um it's with the Toronto Hunt and um they gave me the role as lead architect and that's the first time that's ever happened in Canadian golf history for a woman to be given that role. So um that's really exciting and terrifying and all the things. When uh did you find that out? A couple of months ago. Were you with them in person? No, they called me on the phone and it was a two month long interview process and I was up against seven other architects and I thought I was invited to tender because it was good thing for them to do. Um, and then I made it down to the top three architects and thought, wow, I actually have a shot at this. Let me stick my heels in a little bit. And they called me and they said, with unanimous consensus we we would love for you to work with us and it was you know really incredible phone call that i will never forget and i get emotional thinking about it because it was just you know it it was just it just was a very tangible point where i could um i can look back on and and have that experience again of just being really validated and really um heard and you know they they wanted me and they chose me and we're gonna do really cool fucking things together. Fucking congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, where were you? I was at home. Um, I had just the the day before I had just given my last interview in person at the golf course, and um, didn't uh, didn't have really any inclination of which way it was gonna go. It seemed like a tight race between the final three architects. Um, and got home and just was happy to be home and having had put my, really my best foot forward. I was really proud of that, of that experience that I had gone through, um, navigating, working with a committee, um, uh, and they called me the next morning and I was, I was just at home in the backyard picking up dog poo. Did you, did you, was their number stored in your phone or was it a random number? I knew it was them calling. Okay. I did. So it came up and it was like. Well, that's so, now so. is the moment. And 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 you saw it and you were like, oh my God. Yeah, my heart stopped. Is it the good news yeah. or the other news? Right. <laughs> and either way, it was going to be fine. Like either one of those conversations would have been fine. But... Um, the, but you wanted one. I did. Of course. Yeah, of course. I'm getting I mean, emotional. I, like, yeah. It it was really really special. There's something that happens when <laughs> you put it out there, and then it comes back, and the universe is like, yeah, yeah, and it's like you almost it almost changes you. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like like do you know what I mean? Like do you walk or hold yourself different. or feel different? Dif- it's different. It's di- it's like before. The Toronto Hunt and after the Toronto Hunt. Whoa. Yeah. It's different. That's fucking sick. And there's not too many things in your life where you can say, you know, there was a time before this moment and after this moment. And and that that's one of them for me.
That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's just like, um, how great that it's just so recent as well. Mm-hmm. So when was it? It was in August. August. Yeah. What a great month, especially in Canada. Yes. So bright, yeah. nice and warm. Really warm. Um, God, you know what's funny is like, you know, you know you have a good job when uh, the best gift that you can be given, the thing that will make you happier than anything else in the world is just the ability to kind of do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. When your dream actually comes true. Yes. Hey, have you ever had um, a lucid dream? You know, like where you wake up in the dream? I have, yeah. Tell me about it. No, I can't. Oh, no. Too personal? No, not that. Oh. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I oh, don't okay. know how to verbalize it. Oh, okay. Because you strike me as like a, a manifester of sorts. Yeah. I'd like to think that. Yeah. Because I do, I try to manifest and I mean, you got things. It. I mean, I, I also am so privileged and very lucky, but I, I do think there's something to that. Have you ever read, um, a book called Think and Grow Rich. No. It's not as bad as it sounds. It sounds terrible. It's not. It's a hundred year old book on leadership. Actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm interested. Yeah, it's, it's a super famous book, actually. Yeah. Most, most people that I've thought would know it do know it, actually. Okay. I can't remember the name of the author, but um, you might like it. Okay. You've recommended a movie to me. Okay. I'm going to write it down now. Okay. <laughs> Because it, it, cause in it, um, the author talks a lot about um, the biggest requirement um, for um, achieving is to, without any, um, w- without any um, falling back, you have to summon a success mindset is, is what he calls it. Yes. And it's, and it's really interesting because after reading that, which I only read this summer, okay. maybe in August, no, it was in July, it was June and July. But, um, but after reading it and clocking, I took notes and I was like, Oh yes, always have a success mindset. You right. can write it down and it doesn't mean that much. Yeah. But when I wrote it down and then I could watch the other version of it, which is the, oh, man, it's not going to happen. Ah, probably not the right guy for it anyway. Yeah. Or whatever the mind wants whatever. to say. Yep. That's the opposite of the, no, like, this Let's is happening. Let's go get it, yeah. It's interesting, too, because like, actually, you know, it's, you know what's really funny? Whoa, golf. Because you know, like, when you play golf and you you can play golf without a success mindset, where does the ball go? It does not go well. <laughs> <laughs> you have to follow through with it. You have this to is, commit. Like you. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So how often do you play golf these days? Not very often. Um, Nobody here at the symposium plays golf. Yeah, (laughs) apparently not. Everybody works in golf and makes decisions. We came to golf, but it's like funny. We don't really play enough. Yeah, and I've had this really interesting experience because my partner has gotten into golf since COVID. Oh, cool. So I'm like following along in in that journey and what it's like to be a beginner golfer and in – you know, the golf industry and establishment that we are part of. Um, So that's been really interesting and – quite upsetting at some times and also refreshing. So um, I have been playing more than usual, which is really nice. Good. Yeah. Well, describe uh, w- playing for you. What does that look like? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I was good. I'm not good. I, sh- <laughs> I struggled with, I struggle with that of like not being able to hit the shots that I think in my mind that I can. Um, but so I really make sure that I, I curate a really nice experience for myself, even if I don't score well, and just try to. And what what is hard for me is that I have like a very compartmentalized brain when I'm on the golf course. I'm either playing and trying to hold a putt, or I'm thinking about architecture and the ground movements and where the water's going and the aesthetic of the bunker. I find it hard to do both at the same time. Mm. So I really enjoy just going out there and looking at golf courses while I'm playing golf and not caring about where the ball goes. Yeah. Yeah. So you you didn't play that game before. No. Yeah. No, that's a new game. What's your career low? I love asking this question. Um, like in a competition, probably two under. Man, that's sick. Yeah, it was sick. 
It was, yeah, What was really your favorite? Awesome. What was your best part of your game or the game, the part of the game that you enjoyed the most? I hit it super far. Really? Yeah. Just long ball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Really impressive. What degree was your driver? Uh, 10, I think. 10, it's pretty okay. standard. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe you had like one of those like four Seven degree. Seven and a half. Like, degree, yeah. One of the drivers that looked like it's a can of monster energy, you know, with like the <laughs> <Right>. green flames. <laughs> it's like 48 inches long. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was a really competitive hockey player, ice hockey player. Okay. So I have like a bit of a brute in me and I just like to like hit things and hit it far. I love it. Yeah. Just like move. Yeah. What What is your, uh, what is your finish like with the driver? Like, like my form? Yeah. Cause I like, have perfect form. Do you? I do. <laughs> really? yeah. I believe you. I just, I just watched, I learned from watching golf. Really? So I have like a PGA tour swing. So, like who? Like Tiger whoa yeah it's good whoa it's not that i mean it's not that anymore so you don't like you take it just to parallel just to parallel super fluid really soft you kind of squat my tempo is do you kind of squat at the top maybe i'm missing the squat because that's a little bit of a squat yeah no I, just, I don't have the squat and then is it a fade it's a fade yeah yeah love a fade i'm ready to come back to the fade you want a fade yeah, I just, I've been playing a draw for a while, and it's gotten... It's Out gotten, of hand? The ball's going some places <laughs> that I didn't know it could go. It turns into a snap hook and a block super quick. Okay, that can happen. And I think it's that whole thing where it's just like the ego wants to just hit it farther than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I can hit it 310 with a draw, and I can hit it 290 with a cut. Well, like, what's the problem? With the 290 cut drive. that That can kind of be repeatable. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not my game anymore. I... Never take driver out of the bag because I have no fucking idea where it's going. <laughs> so what's your tea ball? What's your tea club? Um, I I I like to like say that I'm playing the forward tees just for you know research purposes, but I just really don't want to hit driver, so I <laughs> go up to the forward tees and hit a five iron. Yeah, I, I feel like you have a pretty nasty uh, low game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I feel like you could. I feel like you keep that five iron low and it just rolls. It goes out. for ages. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What's the what's the course that you really want to see, like before you die, um, or play, or you know, or experience? I I'm I'm really enthralled with Lynx Golf, and I'd love to see that in Canada somewhere that's replicated really well. Oh, great answer! I didn't, I wasn't really thinking you were going to go there, but yeah, that should happen. Yeah. Would you call Cabot that or maybe I've yeah. never, I haven't I been. been no I haven't been we should you want to go we should go let's go that'd be super fun. We could go redesign it. It's, you, you could redesign it. It's pretty it. good. I mean, I'll it's watch. pretty good. I don't know. No, it's, it's pretty great. good. It's probably nasty. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been. I mean, every, they do good stuff. Um, yeah, I'd love to see Cabot. So where 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 would the Lynx course be? I mean, it would need to be... It could be on a lake, actually. That could be kind of chill. Yeah. So many great lakes there. I mean, we have, like, just outside of Toronto, there's a little town called Picton, and it has sand dunes galore. And that's, like, my dream, my dream site. Sounds like you're just waiting. Would never happen. Wait, Why? Just, um, just for environmental protective agencies would never let it happen. Right. So you're. Um, this brings this brings us to the ninth chapter of Christine's podcast, where you're also really involved in sustainability, like yeah. like environmental, yeah stuff. Try to be at least advocate for that because I don't always have the answers, but yeah. someone does. Um, I heard something like Palm Springs uses more water than like anywhere else in the world just to just for the grass. Yeah. Nasty. Yeah, I mean, like, if you think about where we're going to be in 20 years with our water consumption, nobody's pulling out water from a municipality to water a golf course in 20 years. Like, think about that for a second. Is that a fact? No, it's not a fact. It's a projection. Oh, and it's likely? In my brain, it's my projection. I don't know if it's likely. Maybe it's not 20 years, maybe it's 30 years, maybe it's 40 years. But what does a golf course look like without access to water? Uh, Brown? Yeah, I, more than that, worse. No, it's fine. It's just different. It's oh. a different mindset. It's like brown is cool. Did you see Carnoustie a couple of years ago at the Open? Brown is really fucking cool. It makes for super interesting golf. Yeah, but it's just different. It's not the American or the North American mindset of golf. Yeah, and that's you know where we have to think about going. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I, I like courses that are a little fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I like when it's like, what is this? Like, yeah, like, me too. Like, gravel roots, <laughs> right? spots. I don't know. I yeah. just, 
I don't know. I just kind of like, um, I mean, I like horses that are really pretty, but at the same time, it's like, dude, why do you, why do you go to all this trouble? Yeah. Like it, it doesn't really change my score. No. Doesn't change my level of pleasure. It just makes the tea time more expensive. But I think you're quite unique. You might be quite unique in that in that thought process. People like their golf course well manicured and green all year round. And yeah, um, you know, turf goes through a natural life cycle of from brown to green to brown to green. Um, and superintendents work really hard to make that not happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's I don't tough, know how you fix that one. one. No, it's. I think it starts with the consumer and and just educating yourself on, you know, if golf course is advertising as the Augusta of Ohio, then you know maybe think about what input is involved in that, and perhaps you want to put your money elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the relationship we have with the courses that we play as a as a player mm-hmm. um i'm curious right like i'm even trying to examine my own my own courses that i choose to play in austin like i basically just play i really like this one course called morris williams yeah mo willie it's just a muni and like there's a there's um the, the routing is interesting um it's windy and hilly and yeah i don't even give a shit and i, and I bet like if you really broke it down on why you like that golf course. A lot of the reasons might not be because of the golf. No, a lot of it for me is primarily visual. And then also it's, it's somewhat of it is um, practicality, you know, like distance, pace of play, availability of tee times. Like, cause it's it's a funny thing about like golf is it's kind of like, and I don't know if this is, I don't know how this lands with an architect, but I, I always, I picture the course as the stage and it's sort of like, yo, I know you can play golf anywhere. Mm -hmm. And the, if the game doesn't change, then what, like, then what is the game anyway? Right. Yeah. Let's actually, I I had a different question I want to ask you. So, um, when we were upstairs, you were talking about, um, how one of your missions is to design courses for women. Yes. Not only women, but for women, uh, in mind. Yes. Which is kind of crazy. Uh, a new idea. Right. Revolutionary. <laughs> Whoa. Um, have you played in Korea? No, I haven't. You have to go. Really? Half Why? of the golfers are, are women. Like 50%. Like, wh- yeah. Like wow. maybe even more than that. Japan and Korea, like super uh, gender n- neutral. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you got to go. It's unbelievable. You got to go. I, I don't even know what you would see, yeah. to be honest with you. That's that would be an interesting study, though. Yeah, you would see something. You, I'm sure you would see something that would be like, oh, that that you, makes sense. And you probably wouldn't be able to find it in a book or something. Yeah, yeah. You just it, have to go. I have a lot of friends there. Okay, okay. We'll go to Cabot and then we'll just carry on. Yeah. So you said up when we were upstairs, you said that um, you know you you like in your research, like you, you you play golf with women and girls, and you'll ask. You'll you'll ask them. You'll have a conversation with them, and mm-hmm. and I guess that really struck me. What, what, tell me a little bit about that. It's just part of my design process is having conversation with stakeholders, especially people who are generally not centered in these design decisions. So women and girls in particular, um, and and I just get curious with them, and I ask them their experience of the golf course and what holes they like and what holes they don't like, and then. If you dig a little bit further into that, you can ask them why they like these holes or why they don't like these holes, and and often it's 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 a really um, interesting conversation because a lot of the time they don't have an answer; they have more of a feeling or um, or or a memory of an experience or that whole produced a conversation that they didn't expect to have or they were able to see an otter in the pond not it, it's never based on it's the easy, easiest to score on or it's the most difficult it's always something that doesn't have to do with golf which i find really fascinating and hard to design for but um, it really helps me put em- emphasis on someone's experience on the golf course rather than just designing a, a strategic 
golf hole. Have you found that there's a difference in sort of the way men and women describe but like the, the criteria of a, of a good hole or a hole Yeah, the men, the men say because they always birdie it or because <laughs> they always lose a ball or because the tree's in the middle of the fairway and it impedes their second shot. It's wow. always back to, related back to numbers and data Way and scores. Way more quantitative. Totally, yeah. And women typically have more qualitative responses. They do, yeah. That's probably yeah. very accurate, yeah. I mean, it is, that probably exists in many other categories. Other facets outside of golf. Have you looked sure. into the psychology of how the brain is different for men and women? No, I haven't. And I I think that like if I wasn't a golf course architect, I'd probably be some kind of weird therapist in the corner office in the middle of a That'd be chill. I don't know, shopping mall stylish or something. therapist. <laughs> like, yeah, it's probably cuz I think there's like all these stereotypes, right? Which are like I don't know if they're faux pas, but like men are better at fixing things right. and like uh I don't know, and like what is it? And the women are better at talking about their feelings. Yeah. But I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, that could also just be cultural. That might not be uh, science. That might not be biological. No, I don't think it is. Yeah, that's fun. You, you know what? I'll bet. I'll, I'll bet there's something going on where, because um, <clears throat> you know, for men, I've been researching men. Yes. My whole life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, by default, the random golf club community is primarily men. Yes. Um and. I've been learning that men have a hard time connecting. They do. Yeah. With each other. Yeah. Because we don't know how to talk about our feelings. Right. And what's interesting about not talking about your feelings is it actually creates like a block emotionally and it mm -hmm. makes it harder to talk about your to feelings. To then begin to speak about your feelings. Yeah. So we have something that we can talk about, which is things that we can count. Right. Games. Yeah. Money. Right. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. No, strokes yes and uh but but the qualitative things oh that's beautiful it, it's really yeah and i mean this is such an interesting conversation to me that i've never really thought about that way to expand this beyond golf and why that might be the case that men care so much about you know the course ratings and the par <laughs> and the yardages and women are just like we want to have a nice experience yeah yeah how do you how are you how, how are you right we don't do yeah that. yeah how long is it? Yeah, yeah, but what's, how far is it, yeah. How far is that? Right. <laughs> what club is that? Yeah. It's all very answerable. Yeah. Yeah, the open-ended stuff is too much. It's tough. But yeah. I feel like that's changing. I hope it is because that's really, it sits right behind the, it, it sits right next to, in and around, and on top of the mission of Random Golf Club, which is, you know, how do we create a meaningful community? Because there's all sorts of communities that are centered around like whatever. I don't have a, you know, I don't drink and I don't have a problem with people drinking. But like, I think sometimes when it's centered around sports and drinking and like kind of fraternizing on some level, it's like, did you really grow? Yeah. Did you really get anything? Yeah. I would like to create something. Or have like a new experience. Yeah. Or yeah. stepped outside of your comfort zone or created a space where people could be vulnerable around you. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> It's almost comical. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's been an interesting year for me because um, I went through a lot of uh, new challenges that I had never gone through this year, just in regards to work internally with like just um, things that I hadn't anticipated that regarded, you know, like just challenges of owning a business, really. And mm -hmm. I didn't have a way to answer any of them. And the most interesting thing I learned this year was there were other people that were in my kind of uh, world that I wasn't very close with, but I knew mm -hmm. like maybe for example, like if we, if we hung out again, you and I, and then that third time I was like, hey, I'm having a real problem. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is, is it made me feel closer and more connected, not only to that person, but the place. Absolutely. And then, and then even the problem. Like, not only did I get tactical advice, but I also got like, I've been there. Yeah. Anyway, to was, then share and give again. Yeah. Yeah. So, and what's funny is golf is like perfect for that. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, and like, none of this is in any kind of book you can read about why golf is important. Like, <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I'll write a book one day. Okay. I can't wait. Are All you right. going to write a book? 
Probably not. You got to. Yeah? What would you call it? Why you shouldn't play golf. <laughs> that would be a great book. People <laughs> yeah. would read it. Yeah. Everyone would be like, nah, I'm going to read this. Not going to read this. Christine Fraser. Who's yeah. that? Why I shouldn't play golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything you want to talk about? No, I'm really. Any questions or anything or any thoughts or any? I'm I'm just super chuffed that we had this chat. Me too. Yeah. My favorite joke about the podcast is is that it it um you don't really have conversations like this because like if we were just like oh let's go talk like it would probably be just like small talky yeah but when you put the mic on yeah it's different it's like all of a sudden you can actually have you can actually have thoughtful questions and answers yes yeah and I love it your questions were thoughtful and thank you I appreciate it thank you I really try uh, obviously I'm you trying do. very very yes, hard yes you do. <laughs> So written all over your face. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me and uh, and everyone listening. Is there anything you want to say to everybody listening? There's a lot of people that um, really are going to be inspired by what you said. Yeah. And also, I know there's many people that love golf, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but like, also, like, you know, l- want to, like, work in golf and, yeah. w- and want – Essentially, I believe we all want more satisfaction out of life, and that's allowed. Yeah. I don't know. If you want to, I'm going to let you close it out. I think if if you're a woman listening to this podcast and you're at all interested in golf, just try to get curious on the golf course about why you like it, what you like about it, and how you can extrapolate that into the rest of your life because that will bring you great pleasure. I love that. Thank you, Christine. <laughs>